This is Scott Becker with the Becker Business Minute, the Becker Private Equity Podcast. We're thrilled today to be joined by entrepreneur and brilliant leader Liz Hudson. And Liz is going to talk about something very important today, and that's the concept of finding joy in the workplace, not just a grind, not just drudgery, but also as a leader, modeling positivity and joy and so forth. And there's this old adage, work is work, it's not supposed to be fun. But the reality is we all know that if work's not enjoyable, people don't stay. So somehow or another, either yourself, keeping yourself engaged for the long run or keeping your team engaged for the long run, you better find a way to make it a pleasure as well as work. Liz, tell us what you're thinking. Talk about modeling joy in the workplace. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the time and thanks for the opportunity here. Yeah, I think I don't want to broadly generalize it, but there's certainly a contingency of people um, in in many generations, but particularly in this um, younger generation that have a bit of a strong aversion to work, right? They see it just like you described, Scott, as it's, you know, difficult, work is work, it's hard, it's painful, it's undesirable. Um, And I think that... um, we see that a little bit, you know, even from the younger days in school, right, of like, ah, oh, this is hard to do. It's, you know, it's it's a, not something that's fun, but eventually that translates itself into the workplace as well. And, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're seeing, I want to get that output of the promotion or the, or the, the next, you know, uh, level role, but not always putting the time and the effort and the energy because it's work um, in that foundation. Um, you know, I, I think I think there's probably two reasons for that, and I want to focus on uh, the second one versus the first one. I, I do think there's something about, uh, um, you know, I, I put myself in this bucket too, and you know, constantly trying to make this um, better and continuous improvement. But the helicopter parenting generation, right? That we we hover, we we swoop in and do things for our kids with the intention of helping them, but we don't actually let them learn the things themselves. And so we're not um, letting them see the fruits of their labor and their work um, because we don't want them to fall. We don't want them to fail. We want to help them uh, help them with that. So I think that's one reason. But the but the reason that I want to really kind of focus in on, because I think it's something that we can pretty easily uh, address, um, is that I think we see um, many generations, my, my own generation, generations before me, complaining a lot about work, right? Lamenting how hard it is, they're feeling burned out, um, you know, overworking, not being present with their families. And so that, you know, others, whether it be, you know, people that work for us, whether it be our kids, whether it be um, our colleagues, they look at that and go, why would I want to mimic that? So I think that's, I think that gets after a little bit of the heart of the why it's happening. With such a fascinating discussion on so many levels, this issue of like, how were people raised? Were they raised where the parents were workaholics? They sort of had a negative perspective on work. Were they raised where work and working hard was an expectation from the, the day they started as, as a child? Was it wired in them? Was it not wired in them? Did their parents try and wire at them or not wire at them? And, and you find in the situation where many of us grew up without financial means and felt like work was not a choice. We viewed it as joy, not joy, passion, not passion. Those were all words that were lost on us. It was really we work because we, we had to make a living and support a family. And then you get to another generation where they have to work but they don't feel as much this compelling need to, oh my God, we're gonna really be in trouble if we don't, or had different life experiences. And so how do you model 
work is great for its own sake. Work is great to be a part of your structure as a human being, to be yeah. a part of thriving as a person. It's not just about making money. Yes, making money and making a living, supporting your family is a Maslow's hierarchy. You have to do that. But beyond that, it could be joyful. It could be a positive thing. It could be a place for self-actualization and so forth. How do you sort of instruct that or bring that to the workplace, bring that to your children, this concept that work can be one of your places of self-actualization as well? Yeah, that's right. I, I think, you know, we do have to be mindful of that because people are watching us, right? People, people be it our kids, be it our colleagues, be it, the, you know, the people that are working for us, they're watching us. And so how, how do we do that? I think, um, to me, it kind of boils down to three things. Um, you, you mentioned something I think that's really important, Scott, which is, I think, in the past or historically, or a lot of people, I would say, fall into this bucket of, like, it's just a thing that you have to do. Work is just a thing that you have to do. And so, you know, work is work. But but I do think that we have hit this kind of new and refreshing place that work can also be fulfilling. And so finding roles that really actually fit us well, that bring about value, that, that um, use our gifts, that, you know, focus in on our passion areas um, really helps quite a lot because it helps us to feel fulfilled and satisfied. So it's not a job. It's a, it's a joy. It's not, it doesn't feel like work anymore. Um, and I think what happens then is it also becomes really intrinsically motivating. Um, uh, we're, we're really excited to get up in the morning and engage in that work. We find ourselves um, thinking through creative ways to solve a problem or continuously improving. I feel really lucky, uh, very fortunate because um, you know, I, I have that. I, I have exactly that. I do something that I love to do. I'm passionate about um, a healthcare focus. It uses gifts um, that I have, I think, that are um, that 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 uh, make it feel less like work and more like something I just enjoy doing. So I think that's the first thing is that we have to find roles that are actually fulfilling and they actually bring about value because it connects us to something bigger. Thank you. Let's talk about roles and role models. Because one of the things that, that what your discussion reminds me of is when you're at a firm or company and no one looks happy and you're a younger person at that firm or company, the, the message you really get is this is not me. This is not my place for the long run. This is not where I'm going to be for the long run. So you sort of have to look at if you're at a firm where everybody seems miserable and there are firms like this or companies like this and so forth. How do you as a leader look at changing that culture? Because yeah. if you look at recruitment and retention being difficult, it is doubly or triply hard if you're in an environment where people don't generally seem happy. The, the, the flip side is if you're choosing a job or a role, I know I chose my second law job. My second job as a lawyer, as a young lawyer, you know, what seems like a young lawyer today, but I was not young to people, but, but <laughs> I was in my late 20s and I basically picked the firm I ended up at. And I've been there for 30 years now based on I knew people there that were happy. And it was so yeah. unusual to find places. I had three different friends from different parts of life that were happy at the firm. And it was so hard to find that at a big law firm that I figured, well, if I'm happy, I'll find a way to thrive. And this concept is sort of like, and it ties to this concept of modeling joy or bringing joy or finding joy. So at the end of the day, if people are there just as robots, this is why people want robots because they don't have emotions. They don't care. They just do their job, but, yeah. but they're not. I mean, they're people. And so if you don't have an environment that has some joy in it, some positivity in it, or, or viewed like that, then you're sort of, then people won't work there in the long run. You can't sustain it. Um, yeah. Talk more about roles and how you see this and how you look at sort of modeling joy. 
Yeah, I, I think that's that's such a good point. I think it's, you know, the culture um, and that culture, I think, actually, when you talk about retention and attraction, um, I think it's a differentiator, right? If you have a culture that both has fun, they're happy, they're enjoying what they're doing, and also connects to higher purpose and value, whether it be to, you know, in the world, here's the impact that we're making, here's our customer and how we're serving them, here's the patient that we're saving. When it connects to a larger purpose, I think we have that when people are having fun, they're enjoying their colleagues, they're enjoying that culture. It is about retention, and it's also certainly about attraction, right? I I look at groups and, you know, jobs I've had in the past, roles I've had in various organizations or business units that I was part of when I was in a more corporate type of a setting. And I remember thinking, ooh, that's the group I want to be part of. They're doing cool things and they're having fun while they're doing it. And certainly when I was part of those, even when things were hard, even when things were not as fun, if you will. Um, I wanted to do there because I was there with great colleagues. We were doing something that was bigger than ourselves. And so there was, you know, just, just a lot of joy in that. So I think, I think that role um, and that, that value um, and the culture, I think, are all really uh, closely uh, connected to each other. Thank you. And how do you sort of like look at this? I think this issue of your children and how you model that work doesn't work is good and it's important for structure in life, at least for most of us, and it's important for self-actualization, and it could be positive. How do you sort of model that or encourage that or encourage your children to find yeah. things that they both can make a living at and that they'll thrive in and, and, and to find cultures where that's the case? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think that that really kind of takes me to points two and three, actually, Scott, with that, which is, you know, the first thing, like I said, is like about finding that role. But I think, you know, when we model that, let's take for our kids, when we're in the middle of the grind and the daily activities, I think, you know, oftentimes what they're seeing is, ah, mom's really busy, mom is really, you know, stressed out about that thing. But I think when we may, when we can kind of take that time and reflect on the things that we love about what we do, that we connect to that bigger thing, that we can name those, you know, really, in my mind, what are blessings and start to realize how fortunate we are. And then they hear us naming those things, right? They, they hear us naming the impact. They hear us um, seeing that bigger picture. I think they start to connect with what we're connecting with and it gives it value. So I think there is that naming, um, of those things and, and showing, you know, yes, it's a hard thing. Yes. And here's all the great stuff. I mean, I, I, I think back to remember that movie and it's really a, a true story, Erin Brockovich, where, you know, she's running around doing all this stuff. And, um, you know, the, the family's kind of like, Oh, you're never here. What's going on. But then when she brings them to the very end and she takes them to all these families that are that had struggled and you know the the um the case you know went went their way and 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 just connecting to that um larger picture it 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 brings value it makes it makes um all that work make sense right so i think showing that naming that um modeling that i think is really is really great and though i think the third point is that sometimes it's, it's, it's not always fun, right? I think there are some things that we need to understand that yes, we wanna have a culture of um, people smiling and having fun. We wanna to connect to a bigger picture, but sometimes there are things that we have to do that just aren't fun, but we have to do them um, because it's part of the commitment. We, we don't do it because we don't feel like it. We do it because it's a commitment and we're counted on to do that. Um, you know, I think like 
I often think when I'm you know, training for a big race or, or prepping for a big party or something like that, I look, I think about that big thing, the, you know, crossing the finish line or having everybody there. And that's the fun stuff, but training for a, a big race um, isn't always fun. It's, it's the grueling daily mileage that you've got to put in. It's the, it's the grocery shopping and the, and the cleaning of the house and, you know, getting everything ready, that's not the fun part, but you have to do those in order for it to be um, uh, successful, for the race to go well, for the party to be enjoyable. You have to put in the hard work, I think, to um, also um, enjoy the fruits of that labor. But, but this is a really important point, too, in whether talking to people on your team or talking to your children is it's going to be good, it's going to be bad, it's not always going to be joyful. You're going to live most days somewhere between a four and an eight of happiness, once in a while higher, once in a while lower, yeah. but, but it's largely okay. I mean, we also can't expect it to be perfect every day, but we also want to find some ability to find this right mix of passion, joy, self-actualization and work as well. And I, I just remember periods of my life where the hardest times I was working, they weren't necessarily fun, but sometimes they were the most satisfying and fulfilling. And, and it's trying to find this right balance of joy versus satisfaction versus self-actualization versus achievement. This whole mix of qualities that makes a career, that makes a business, that makes a profession. That's right. Liz, I want to thank you for joining us again today on the Becker Business Minute, the Becker Private Equity Podcast. It's always just a pleasure to speak to you about so many issues across the board. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Scott. It was great to talk with you. Thank you.